Praise the Lord. For our meditation this morning, thank you. Let's turn our Bibles to letter to Romans chapter 15, <clears throat> verses 17 to 20. I'll be reading it from ESV. Romans chapter 15, from 17 to 20. <clears throat> In Christ Jesus, then I have reason to be proud of my work for God. For I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience by word and deed, by the power of signs and wonders, by the power of the Holy, by the, by the power of the Spirit of God. <clears throat> so that from Jerusalem all the way around Illyricum, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. <clears throat> And thus I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation. <clears throat> Dear brothers and sisters, we all have ambitions in our lives. And those ambitions define who we are. The worldly-minded, they have ambitions and their goals and they are centered around worldly success. And they are consumed with work, family, money, pleasures, pleasures of life and the world. And the spiritual minded, they also have ambitions. <clears throat> and those ambitions are to, be, to please God. They are driven even by greater ambitions in life, but that is for God. If you, look at, if you have a closer look into our Christendom today, it will shock us to see what kind of ambitions, priorities, and goals so-called Christians have in their lives and their churches. Instead of seeking God's glory, there is more self-promotion and self-glorification. Vast majority of Christians are more concerned about what people think about them than what they are supposed to be doing as Christians. So therefore, many of pulpits and Christian lives are filled with um, democracy, I mean, uh, diplomacy than actual truth of God. Forgetting the fact that we are only uh, representatives of heavenly kingdom. We are ambassadors of God's truth. But it looks like sometimes in churches we have more kings than ambassadors of the gospel. We see sometimes in people, even in Christians, there's a tremendous zeal for wrong ambitions, wrong priorities, turning God's house into a money-making tool or a business, as if they're going to live here forever. Imagine this with me. In the scriptures, it says that uh, in the sight of the Lord, thousand years are equal to one day. <clears throat> which means if you're living for 100 years, it may be like two and a half hours in the sight of the Lord. Just two and a half hours. And for this shortest period in life, in our life, we want so many things to happen. Most of the times they are, uh, they are things that are self-related, self-focused, and self-centered. Little more pleasures and little more 
comfort, little more um, better life, and we spend money, time, energy, and everything else. We fight for it, and we hurt each other for that two and a half hours from the eternity perspective. But if you only can look at life and look at things from the eternal perspective, we would live differently, we would think differently, and we would choose differently, and our ambitions and our priorities in life would be very different. I've noticed here in the U.S., um, people are very much concerned about what they eat, at least some people. Um, uh, they want to eat organic food and healthy food, and uh, so, uh, because they know the dangers of the junk food and what it can do to the body. So they change their lifestyle to make adjustments so that they can live better, live longer. Just last week I'd been in a house, um, I met with a, a lady who was 95 years old and she asked me to pray for her and, and I asked her, what is your prayer request? She said, I can live longer so that I would live longer. Pray for me so that I would live longer. Yeah, everyone wants to live longer. So people make adjustments and, uh, and how, how I wish Christians are also more careful with the Christian life, especially with the processed teaching, processed doctrines that talks about best life here now and promote wrong priorities and ambitions in life. People are more careful with what they eat than how they live for God in a Christian life. That's why we have been given scriptures to guide our walk with God and point us to Christ on a daily basis. It must be our desire to seek God and his will through scriptures so that we can follow him and increasingly conform to his likeness and his image in our daily walk with Christ. And day by day when we study the word and meditate, meditate upon the scriptures, we see Jesus more clearly and with the power of the Holy Spirit we live Christian lives as he wants us to live so. And in the Bible, we have so many examples of godly men and women who went ahead of us. We have cloud of witnesses. And they all have lived tremendous lives and that had tremendous things to say. And God used each of them for the sake of his glory and for the extension of his kingdom. The majority of the characters in the New Testament we see are concerned with very few things and few important matters in their Christian life. They had prioritized living, prioritized ambitions in their life when we look at uh, people in the New Testament. Whatever they said, whatever they did, they did so with eternity in their mind, living in the, in the light of eternity and the eternal values. In doing so, they lost their lives. It was not easy. They suffered. And among million things that they have they could have chosen to do they chose to proclaim Jesus and live for Jesus and that was number one priority in their lives they had zeal for father's glory their zeal for God's house consumed them we see a lot of people in the New Testament like that and one of such important and leading figures in the New Testament is Apostle Paul in the red scriptures, he's expressing his deepest desire for the gospel of Jesus Christ. This morning, I would like to take a small survey of the life and ministry of Paul about his ambition for the sake of making Jesus known among the nations. This is not exactly an expository preaching, so please bear with me. 
Paul's life, if you look at his life, his life was very fascinating. He was a Jew from Tarsus. Today it is somewhere in southern Turkey. Educated in Jerusalem at the feet of Gamaliel. He was a Pharisee, religious man, Roman citizen, powerful um, uh, background he has. And his ambition, his priority in his life was persecuting Christians. His, it was in his veins to hate Christians, to make sure that Christians are wiped out from this world. We are familiar with those terms. We are familiar with those feelings today in our, in our own context. But on his way to Damascus, his life got completely transformed. He met with the risen Lord Jesus Christ. That caused an amazing transformation in his life. He got converted. And he's one of the most prominent figures in the New Testament. Wrote 14 books. And uh, his epistle, con- epistles continue to be vital roots for our theology and our worship and our church ministry. And he's the author of this book, book of, uh, Letter to Romans. And this is a, a powerful letter that has transformed many people's minds and hearts. The first 11 chapters are, you know, talking about theological truths of doctrines, and 12 to 16 chapters are more details in its practical outworking in our lives of individual believers and also in the lives of whole church. Everything Paul touches in this letter relates to God. God chose the author before the foundation of the world. God purchased the author's freedom by the death of his son Jesus. And God gave him the gospel. God gave him the gospel so that, you know, God is in the bottom, on the top, in the middle, everywhere in this letter. And uh, in the letter, in the beginning portion of the Romans, Paul gives himself three titles. The first one is, a bond servant of Jesus Christ. An educated man, I'm sure he loved his freedom like all of us, and, but he calls himself a bond servant of Jesus. He was bought with a price. He was owned by Jesus. Paul does not belong to himself, but he belonged to Jesus. It means an utter submission to what pleases Jesus, not what pleases Paul. He was a servant, and that was the mindset he had. You know, in India, uh, if you are caught by the police, um, usually they say, do you know who I belong to? You know, I can make a phone call, and then they try to, you know, uh, tell about their background and people who are behind them. So Paul, Paul's background is he belonged to Jesus. He was, owned, he was a servant of Jesus. The second title he gives himself is called as an apostle, called as an apostle. He had a call in his life, call to be someone. I think the focus here is not what he was called to be, but, but it is on the one who called him, the one who called him. God called him. Paul's significant is not primarily uh, what he has done, but what has been done to him. God called him. And um, God is the primary actor in his life. We are not dealing with simply a man's work here, but the work of God in a man and through a man. So he was called to be an apostle, to bring the gospel to Gentiles. 
And the third title he gives himself is a set, an, set apart for the gospel of God. He was chosen by God. He was designated to take a special mission. Before he was called to the, uh, at the Damascus Road, before he was born, he was chosen by God. I am thankful to be in that group of people chosen by God. If you come to India, if you go to Nepal, if you go to the other parts of Middle East, 1040 window, there are hundreds and millions of people waiting to hear the gospel. And there are people there who are chosen by God. And I think as people of God, you know, we have different callings. We all may not be like Paul's. We may not have same calling as Paul has. But Paul called himself, he was a, a set-apart man for the sake of the gospel. Coming to the text here, we see verses 17 and 19. He says in 17, in, in Christ Jesus, then I have a reason to be proud of my work of God. And he talks about the places that he has been preaching the gospel. Basically in this text, he seemed to be looking back over a greater part of his life and ministry as a missionary and sharing these amazing verses. Basically, he is stressing on what Christ has accomplished through Paul. It was not a self-started, self-desired, self-sustained mission, but it, was, it is given by God. It is God's mission. Sometimes when we um, look at these staggering figures of unreached people groups, we are saddened. We, are, uh, we don't know what to do. We don't know how to reach them. But brothers and sisters, it is God's work. And it, he will accomplish it. He will, he will make it happen. Thank God it is not in our hands. Thank God it is not up to us. God is going to make it possible. And, and later on we see... He says that from Jerusalem all the way around Illyricum, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. That's from like southern Palestine, up through Syria, across the Turkey, down to Greece, and up to Albania. Like he was everywhere. He was everywhere. And verse 20, it says, Thus I make it my ambition to preach the gospel here Paul is talking about his ambition and what he had gone through to achieve that ambition. I would like to focus a little more here about Paul's ambition to preach the gospel. What is an ambition? Ambition is a desire and a strong determination to do something or to achieve something. Ambition is necessary for those who want to achieve a specific goal. And Paul had an ambition for the gospel, and that guided his life. That guided his strategy, his thinking. He had a prioritized life that he had. And if you look at a little more deeper into his ambition, I would call it, it is a holy ambition he had. And it is an ambition filled with determination. And it is an ambition marked by suffering. Let's little, look a little more into the holy ambition. Pastor John Piper actually calls it as a holy ambition because of a few reasons. He says it is a holy ambition because its aim is holy. Its aim, its focus is holy. To see people from all nations who have never heard 
of Jesus, believing in him, becoming obedient to him, and to be saved by him, and from their sins and from the wrath of God. Redeeming people from the wrath of God and from their sins. Because its focus is holy, Paul's ambition was holy. And it was a holy ambition because its source is in the personal encounter with Jesus Christ. Its source, the ambition comes from a source of Paul encountering with the risen Lord Jesus Christ. He had different type of ambition in his life. That was to hate Christians, kill Christians. But all those changed when he encountered with Jesus. I can just stand here and tell you like so many stories of brothers and sisters in India and Nepal whose lives got changed because they met with the risen Lord Jesus Christ. I met a brother in Nepal uh, in my trip last year. Um, they were uh, priests of a temple. Um, they, even there, they had human sacrifices. And an evangelist goes into that village, shared the gospel with them. And then they saw the light and that the Holy Spirit changed, caused their lives to change. And then they come to the training to be church planters and their desire is to go back and plant a church in the same place where they were, priest, they were priests of a, church, a temple. And when you really encounter the gospel, encounter with Jesus, our lives are really transformed. We may all not have necessarily as dramatic experience as Paul did in Damascus Road. But how is it possible that we can also have those holy ambitions? It is possible for us to have those holy ambitions shaped in our life through the written word of God. As we meditate on the law of the Lord day and night, as we immerse ourselves in the word of God, God will take that truth and impress in our hearts burn in our hearts so that we also can have such holy ambitions for the sake of the gospel. It is possible. We may not have those dramatic experiences, but we have the word of God that can cause holy ambitions in our lives. And it's a holy ambition because it is out of love for Christ and for his people. It's always you know, meeting someone else's need. No, Christ loved him first. Christ loved Paul. And that changed his life. And Paul started loving Christ and Christ's people. His ambition was not to get rich and famous and the most powerful man, but his ambition was for the sake of kingdom's expansion. Whenever our life is focused on God's purposes for our life, everything falls into place. Because our lives are focused on God and for his purposes. And certainly he was not the richest tent maker in the town, I guess. Barely meeting his needs, meeting his needs. And he, I, of course, maybe his aim, was not, his aim was also not to become rich. But today's evangelists, we see less than one year they'll have mansions and all that. Because their priorities are different. Their focus is different. But Paul's focus is loving Christ and loving Christ's people. And later on we see that his ambition is marked with determination. We all can have ambitions, especially in India. Um, 
uh, on the first of January, like we have a list of things that we want to achieve in the, throughout the year. Oh, we are all excited to write a list of things. And, but at the end of the year, we find out that majority of it is not really, you know, ambition without determination is not much of use. Paul not only had ambition to preach God, preach the gospel, but he had greater determination. How do we know? We know it because the way he traveled, the places he went to. According to some scholar, they say, he personally traveled to more than 48 different cities in his life. There's a book written, um, the book name is Paul, the Missionary Realities, Strategies and Methods. He says, Paul must have traveled more than 8,700 miles by land and 6,800 miles by sea. More than 15,000 miles, extraordinary distances. It's not like the roads that you have here. I mean, at that time of Paul, he had greater limitations of transportation. And, but he was willing to endure all that hardship in his life because he had an ambition to preach the gospel. Wherever he was, wherever he went, whomever you talk, he talked to, the first thing in the first five minutes, I'm sure, would come out, Jesus, gospel. You know, when you meet somebody, in the first two minutes, you know that where the direction of the conversation is going. Politics or food, family, life. And if we have time at the end, maybe we'll say something about Jesus. But Paul, he had it other way around, like wherever he went. And right after his conversion in Damascus, after some time of, you know, his, his own prayers and meditation and learning, he comes right back into the city and he, he, was, he was found preaching the gospel. And the believers had to like put him in a basket and lower him outside the gate so that he can escape. From the very early stage of his Christian life, he is sharing the gospel, making Jesus known where he was not made known. And he was in a, in a, he was in a jail, Philippi jail. And he, he was there, there and he casted out a demon spirit, evil spirit from a slave girl. And obviously people didn't like him there and they put Paul and Silas in the prison. Why? Because he was preaching the gospel and casting out demons. And he ended up in the prison. What is he doing in the prison? He is doing the same thing. He didn't think twice to pray or sing songs and talk about Jesus. And at the end of that story, we have a man asking, what must I do to be saved? What must I do to be saved? He was in the prison. The most difficult place that he could be and at the end of the outcome of his prison experience was that what must I do to be saved and you see Paul sharing the gospel a few months ago I met with a brother from Orissa um, that place is known as uh, um, graveyard of martyrs I met with him he just he was he just came to see me and then he was sharing his testimony he went to plant a church there people really didn't like him um, Later on, for no reason, he was put into prison. And he was not sure. I mean, he, he was, he, nobody knows him there. Um, he, he was spent like a few months there. He was beaten up daily. And he, he was having very difficult time. He didn't know. He was like, 
didn't know what to do, but like one thing he knew, what, one thing he knew was to pray. And be kind to people who were treating him ill. For sure, at the end of his prison period, um, two of the police officers he was able to witness to, and they became believers. Sometimes some of the worst life situations that we go through, God uses it for his glory, for his good, and for his own purposes. And he was in Athens, one of the largest cities in the modern Greece. Um, and, you know, lots of temples and all that there. He was stirred up to see the worship of pagan idols in this place. He began to preach in synagogues, marketplaces, and any place that he can find and talk about Jesus. Soon he was heard by philosophers, the Epicureans who said, eat, drink, and make merry. Stoics who said, seek harmony and a deeper life. And Paul began to preach in Mars Hill, making Jesus known. If Paul was living in our days, I'm sure if he's in the airport or bus or anywhere, going to a shop, I'm sure he will talk about Jesus. His mission field was everywhere he was. And it was a holy ambition, an ambition filled with determination. And finally, it was an ambition filled with suffering. He paid a heavy price for the kind of ambition he chose to have in his life. We cannot read 2 Corinthians chapter 11, 23 onwards without having tears in our eyes. It says, with the greater labors, far more imprisonments, with countless beatings and often near death, five times I received at the hands of the Jews the 40 lashes, 40 lashes less one. Three times I was beaten up with rods, once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked, a night and a day I was adrift at a sea. Frequent journeys in dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my own people, dangers from Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, everywhere. In toil, in toil and hardship through many sleepless nights. Many sleepless nights. In hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. And apart from all these things, there's a daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. If I must boast, he says, I will boast of things that show my weakness. God and the Father of our Lord Jesus, he who is blessed forever, knows that I am not lying. Paul was chosen by God, anointed by God, used by God for his purpose. He made preaching of the gospel as his ambition and made it in order to, even in the midst of all the sufferings, he carried it through. It was a holy ambition, an ambition filled with determination, an ambition marked with suffering. Brothers and sisters, like our today's context is no different from what Paul had. In his context, there were so many people, countries, people groups who did not have the opportunity to hear the gospel. In today's context also, it's almost the same, a little different, but there are 1040 window, you know 1040 window. 
almost like 70% of the 1040 window, they have never had the possibility or the privilege of hearing about Jesus. And in India, we have more than 2,000 people groups, 500,000 villages have not heard the gospel. And here at home, at home, here in the U.S., this, is, this place is becoming a, a larger mission field too. Lost, lots of hostility, culturally, religiously, politically, uh, a lot of things Christians are facing. And in India, we had open doors in the past, but I believe it may be like next five years or so, we are going to have much more difficult time for the gospel to be preached. But we need people like Paul for God to place a greater ambition in their lives for Jesus and for the gospel. And I heard a story in India. India has uh, 80% of Hindus. There's a festival that takes place. Hundreds and thousands of people come there expecting themselves to wash off their sins in a water River Ganges. And one time there was a lady who was crying and some missionaries go there to preach the gospel. She was really crying and the missionary asked her why was she crying and she said, "Um, you know, I come from this particular religious background and and, uh, nothing is going well in my life and I wanted to give best sacrifice possible in my life. What did she have? She had a six-month-old baby. She brings the baby and throws the baby in the river. She throws the baby in the river, thought that she gave the best sacrifice possible so that her life can be turned around. And this missionary began to share the gospel. Jesus Christ, Jesus is our hope. He is God himself. He came, came down from heaven to earth. He emptied himself. He came and lived among us. And he taught kingdom's word and he forgave people and he went on the cross he died on the cross on behalf of us he died for us in our place he sacrificed his life that is the ultimate sacrifice that he had done on behalf of us you have hope in the cross hope of forgiveness in Jesus and she wiped her tears looked into this man's eyes and said where were you 30 minutes ago where were you 30 minutes ago if you came 30 minutes before I would have saved my child and myself there is a greater need for the gospel to be told the gospel to be heard brothers and sisters let's reflect on this verse today Paul the apostle of Christ he had ambitions in his life He could have chosen multiple things in his life. He had many opportunities, but he chose something that marked his life for the sake of the gospel. Some practical suggestions. How do we keep ourselves ambitious for the sake of the gospel? And there are a lot of things happen in our lives, families and work. We get busy in our lives. Time runs us. We are run by the time. Well, try to learn more about missions, unreached people groups. Joshua Project is a great website. Pray regularly for them. I used to 
um, paste um, on my wall about people groups and their details and just pray for them on a regular basis. Read a good missionary biography. Put up an unreached people group's map in your home. Get involved in finishing the task. Be a sender or a gover. Be a sender or a gover. What is our ambition today in our lives? Paul's ambition was to preach Christ where he was not named. And Great Commission is still relevant today. It's still valid. It's not a suggestion. It's not a recommendation. It was a command to go and preach the gospel. And I pray, and I really sincerely pray, that few years from now, some of you sitting here would write a letter back to Christ Redeemer's Church and say, I'm here to speak the gospel, preach the gospel to a people group that never heard Jesus, like Paul. I pray that God will raise men of God from this congregation to go cross the oceans, preach the gospel. Out of our comfort zones, a greater ambition for the sake of the gospel. Paul had an ambition to preach Christ where Christ was not named. Maybe those people are just next to your home, in your neighborhood, or maybe somewhere else across the globe. Let us make ourselves more conscious of those people groups who are yet to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let us have things from the eternal perspective, from God's perspective. Remember, two and a half hours. Two and a half hours. It just goes like that. But the kind of ambitions and desires that we will have in our lives on this earth is going to make whether our life is worth or not in the kingdom. Shall we pause for a few minutes, close our eyes, and ask the Lord to stir up our hearts for having greater ambitions in our lives for the sake of the gospel. Dear Lord, we thank you and praise you for this amazing at another day in our life. We are so thankful for the gospel, for Jesus in our lives. We are so thankful for those who came into our lives and told about Jesus when we were in dark. Would you cause our hearts to burn for the sake of the gospel? Would you cause our hearts to be more conscious of our decisions, our choices that we make daily in our lives so that they will be more pleasing to you, Lord. Please, would you please put such holy ambitions in our hearts so that we can live for Jesus and tell about Jesus to others. Thank you for the privilege to be part of this family of God. Thank you for joy in our life. Thank you for redemption in our lives. I pray this in the precious name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen.